Good morning, y'all. Welcome to episode 61 of the Quickie Podcast. Thanks for being here today. My guest today is Scott Fuller. He is a designer and illustrator and owner of Studio Temporary in Atlanta, Georgia. Scott loves sweet tea. Just wanted to say, just throwing it out there. Scott is fresh off doing the Icon Design Workshop through his local AIGA chapter. We talk about that. We also talk about how Scott had to work odd jobs for two years after he graduated in order to find his first design gig. And we get into a real good story about how the universe was just pointing him in the direction of owning his own business, not working for others. He took the lessons while working for others, but through a number of circumstances that I am not going to spoil for you, he was just pointed in the direction of starting his own business. And since then, the rewards have just keep on flooding. He's doing great work and being rewarded for it by working with incredible customers. He shares that and so much more with us. I really enjoyed this conversation. Scott's got some great stories to share. So let's get rocking. Ladies and gentlemen, Scott Fuller. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Scott. How are you today? I'm great, man. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for being on the show today. Uh, anytime just uh you know any anytime somebody gives me an opportunity to be on something like this it's just really really cool and and it's always different so we'll see how it goes well i hope to toss a little different flavor in this for you then all right let's do it well briefly tell the listeners about yourself i'm a graphic designer and illustrator i'm from atlanta georgia i run the studio temporary have for the last four and a half years full-time um i work on identity design illustrations logos icons I make flags for Atlanta United. I work with uh, everything from restaurants to sports teams to uh, recently Killer Mike. So it's all over the place. Uh, so, yeah, but I'm just just me. I'm a one-man shop, like I said, here out of Georgia where I was uh, born and raised. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just happy to be doing what I'm doing. Right on. And two questions there. So before you started Studio Temporary, what were you up to? Um, I was in-house design at a uh, at a financial agency, if you can believe it. Um, I couldn't really, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I actually I actually came up with the idea of the studio uh, over seven years ago. So we're mm-hmm. talking January of 2012. So I was doing all this stuff on the side. I was speaking. I was doing some other stuff on the side while I was still working my full time job. It's funny because very few people realize that I had another job. They, mm-hmm. Everybody thought for you know, for about a year and a half prior to me going full-time in the studio, they thought I was already full-time, which I wasn't going to, you know, I wasn't going to say anything. No, exactly. (laughs) Just leave it. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, sure. I'm doing all right. You know, but that's kind of what I was doing before then. And before that it was all kind of odd jobs. Uh, you know, I graduated in 2008, so that wasn't exactly the greatest year for, for much of anything, Mm -hmm. but, um, especially the economy and whatnot. So, 
it's uh it's how it worked i struggled for a little while when i first got out and i'm not going to say i didn't have any struggles when i started running the studio full-time because i can absolutely did uh, <laughs> but things are really moving along uh you know it's it's been it's been really amazing seeing just what's happened over the last uh you know over the last four and a half years for sure but really over the last just six months mm-hmm. it's been incredible that's cool i hope you're going to tell us about some of that with some of these later questions here um, and recently did a sort of an icon design workshop or some teaching yeah. around icon design. Tell me about that. I, I did. So uh, one, that's one of the things that I'm, that I'm kind of known for, you know, if I'm known for anything, that might be one of them. But um, I, I see it so much. I worked in, I did a lot of work with startups and everything. And, and you look and, you know, a lot of the logos, a lot of the times are just really generic, you know, whatever. Uh, I think LinkedIn did a, uh, somebody sent me a link. And um, it was like the top 50 uh, startups, something like that. And you could literally, I'd say about 35, maybe 38 of them, you could literally just switch the logo and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Mm-hmm. It was just, it, everything looked exactly the same. But it, And then the same thing happened with their icon sets, which are important pieces, uh, you know, for your site, for, you know, for different things like that, even for wayfinding just around the city, you know. It's for me, they're really, really important pieces that are just kind of getting thrown to the side. You know, Mm -hmm. I remember I was working at a um, I was doing work inside of a company and one of the folks came in and it's like, how many moves away from the noun project do you have to be to like make it your own or something like that? And this is a company that I figured, man, these guys are going to be doing doing their own stuff. And I just kind of turned to the creative director that I was working with and I went what's what's going on you know and that was kind of the impetus for me to say okay there's a lack of these things people look at icons a lot of times it's just you know we just grab something and just kind of toss it in there and i said i i said they can be difficult to do depending on like the amount of work that you're you know i mean if you have three icons versus you know 53 icons Mm -hmm. obviously there's going to be a big difference but the overall principle of designing these things is really simple. So I said, all right, I, I just need to do something. So I reached out to my local AIGA chapter and I said, hey, I have this idea. What do you think? They jumped on board, said, absolutely, let's do it. And I ended up having to teach two sections because we sold out the first one. Uh, so I taught this last Saturday, I taught two three-hour workshops back to back. Wow. Busy day. Yeah. Very busy day. And, you know, I think, you know, I'm not necessarily like a teacher mm-hmm. per se. So maybe my voice, I guess, wasn't as strong as I thought it was. And I talk a lot. So for me to say my voice might not have been up to snuff, that's saying something. You were delivering. And, oh, my gosh. It was just, it was nuts. And, uh, but I had a great group of folks. Um, I got some really good feedback. And now I'm going to be teaching it at least, I think, three more times this year for now. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and we're still, the calls are still coming in about maybe we go here, maybe we go there. So uh, a lot of people really kind of jumped on board with that. So I'm thrilled, first of all, for AIG Atlanta for taking a chance on me and for everybody who actually came to the class. Uh, I just had a great time teaching it, and it's something that I'm passionate about. And, you know, it was just something that I've, I, I saw... I reacted to what I saw kind of out in the world, and I decided, you know what? I think this will be a good a good class to teach. Mm-hmm. Went for it, and 
you know, we'll see what happens. That's, that's awesome, man. Good for you. I'm glad that turned out so well. Yeah. So now I want to go back even further than that. I want to ask you about your childhood and what, what was your childhood like? And do you feel that you had a creative childhood that led you in this career direction? Um, I think so. I mean, now I am, my mom was a school teacher. My dad uh, is a machinist, still mm-hmm. is, has been for almost 40 years. So if you're looking at like creativity or something like that, you know, maybe it was, you know, there were no artists or anything like that in my family, but you know, I always had Hot Wheels and Legos, playing outside, doing all these different things, always creating and doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, wa- the, the, the crappy watercolors under, underneath the, the kitchen table, you know, the Crayola ones with like five and you can never get the colors right. You know, um, colored pencils and markers we had an abundance, uh, lots of good thick construction paper, which is key, especially if you're going to use markers and coloring books and, and whatnot. But I was always making, you know, just kind of drawing my own thing. But as far as my childhood goes, I, you know, it's, it's really funny because I was never slated to do any, any type of design or creative anything like that. My, um, the major that I actually declared for going into college was mechanical engineering. Oh, wow. Okay. So... I'd work with my dad at the machine shop and everything. And Mm -hmm. then even in uh, high school, I did trigonometry, physics, calculus. I did all that stuff in high school. And my deal was to go and do mechanical engineering. But I was constantly still drawing and doing different things like that. And I went to school. I visited the school that I ended up attending. And um, I spent the whole time in the art department. And I realized, you know, this is what I wanted to do. You know, I knew I could be very good at mechanical engineering. And I knew I had the mind for it. But Mm -hmm. I just... It wasn't something that I could see myself doing for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Came back, switched, and that was all she wrote. You know, I really, I jumped into it and I realized, you know, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. I didn't know design was a profession. I didn't know that there were legends and rules and you could make a living at this thing. I thought that was really incredible. Mm-hmm. So I did that, graduated um I graduated college, first person in my family to graduate from college, which was which was really crazy. Awesome, good for you. Yeah, and um, oh man, it was um, it was something else. And I got out of school, struggled a whole lot the first couple of years. Like I said, graduated in two thousand eight. It took me till two thousand ten to get my first uh, design job, which mm-hmm. was pretty crazy. So we were. I was working in machine shops. I was working with my dad. I was working all kind of odd jobs. I worked at a subway for about two weeks, and then I got out of there because it was horrible. I was working Minuteman Press, all these different things. I was, And then I was working in an Apple store, but it wasn't even a real Apple store. It was called Peach Mac. So I couldn't, <laughs> okay. even, get a, I cu- I couldn't even get a job in a real, legit Apple store, right? It was a third party. Mm-hmm. So there's, a, you know, there's another kind of knock down the totem pole. But I met somebody in there. I sold the computer to the right guy who happened to own a trucking company in Atlanta was looking to hire me to do some freelance work. Uh, at that point, the only thing I was using design for was a sales tool at mm-hmm. that point in my career or lack thereof. And, uh, man, it was, it was not. So he brought me up there. I said, I took a day off of work or a half day to, to go up there and talk to him, maybe get some freelance work. We get up there talk for a few minutes and then he says, well, I actually don't have any freelance work for you. Well, at this point, I'm really upset. No kidding. I, I try not to let it show, but I'm like, I, I took a half day off. You know, I can't do this. And he said, no, 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 you don't understand. I want to hire you full time to basically be over all our design. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ooh, 
Okay. Now you yeah. got me interested. Now I'll always remember that day because we went home that night and my wife that was the night my wife came running into the room. Hey, I'm I'm pregnant. So all of that happened on one day. Oh my it gosh. Was inc- That's no. crazy. Okay, so wife pregnant and like dream or first first design job opportunity all in the mm-hmm. same day. All in the same day. And here's the thing about design, too, because, you know, especially with life in this, it can change in an instant. So Mm -hmm. I got that job back in January of 2011. Um, End of the summer, I ended up being laid off. Um, Basically, I worked myself out of a job. Oh, no. You know, I got to the point where I did so much stuff. It was like all we're doing is maintaining, and apparently they didn't want to pay me that amount of money to maintain. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I ended up getting laid off just completely out of the blue. Well, about three months later, um, I'm trying to find work. I can't find work. We're behind, and we're getting further and further behind. And finally, we come back to our little uh, our little loft apartment one night, and there's an eviction notice on the door. Oh, no. My little boy had just turned one. One o'clock. If you want something that will just, you know, kick you, you know, just kick you in the in the nuts, that'll do it, man. And it Jeez. was, it was, it was nuts. So... You know, we ended up having to like move back here with my parents, and now here I am supposed to be this this designer doing all this stuff. And I came up. This is when I came up with the stu- idea of the studio temporary during this time. Mm-hmm. It was it, it was it was an incredible time, but at the same time it was nuts. And here I am. You know, I'm evicted. I'm back doing all this stuff, and I'm wondering do I keep, do I even keep going? There's a point in your career where with with what you're trying to do you're almost having to lie to yourself that, Hey, I can do this. I am successful at this. I have had, I have had big, you know, big wins Mm -hmm. in this industry and I know I can do it and I know I have people supporting me. So do I stay? Do I go? What do I do? So after a while you just keep going, you just keep going. And finally you start believing that lie that you've been telling yourself for all these years. Mm -hmm. And in the end it ended up working out. You know, I got a job, we moved up. We moved up to where we are now, just north of Atlanta, and um, you know, I got what I hope was my last ever corporate job. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a year, and you know, then once again, somebody at the company screwed up, which means they let I think it was like twenty percent of the company go, and I was one of the first people to go. And uh, you know, so I'm walking out of there, supposed to meet my wife and my little boy for lunch that day mm-hmm. and i walk out of there to meet him with all my stuff in a box uh, right yeah so we're sitting in the car we're, and we're just had it you know this is nuts and my wife said you know i'm done with all this and she said i'm tired of you getting the shaft for everybody else's mistakes mm-hmm. she said if you're going to start your company if you're going to go full-time do it now yeah this was half an hour after i got laid off so I started making calls, you know, all the favors that people owed me over the years, all the stuff I said, remember that thing? Yeah, I said, I'm calling it in now. Mm-hmm. In 45 minutes, I had five meetings. Awesome. And I'll never forget the first person to hire me for a job was my buddy, uh, Sam Eckersley, who was new to Atlanta at the time, but we got a chance to meet and talk and do different things. And he was the first person to hire me for a uh for a job. So, uh, I'll always be thankful to him for that. He'll always have a place in studio temporary history, mm-hmm. uh, for that. And there were a lot of really difficult times. That first year was absolutely horrendous. Uh, but it just kept getting better and better and better. And now, 
you know, we're doing, I'm doing better than I've ever done at any job. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's like a storyline out of a movie. It's look, (laughs) if we, if we, if we ever wrote this, if I ever get a chance to write a book one day, nobody's going to believe, and I'm going to have to put some type of, it's like, look, this is all true. I promise you all this is true. Right. You know, you know, um, I don't know. Maybe the title is this really happened. The story of the studio temporary. (laughs) I don't know. You know, but that's, that's years down the road, you know, I mean, if, and if that ever happens at all, but either way, I know that I got a chance to live through it Mm -hmm. and I'm still alive. So, you know, (laughs) I'll take, I'll, I'll take it. Crazy. So I want to now ask you about what has been the most influential design of your life so far, either something you've seen or something you've been a part of. Man, um, I would say, oh man, that is good. Um, the most, uh, I would say there were, there were two designs that have been really influential in, in what I do. One, um, uh, I would say as recently as last year, I got a chance to work for the Atlanta Hawks. Oh, I cool. got to do work on the uh, NBA 2K, the NBA started a sanctioned NBA 2K league. And all the teams are based on the, um, basically it becomes a part of each NBA franchise. So by the end of next season, every NBA franchise will have an esports team. Mm-hmm. So with the Hawks, they asked me, they, and by the way, I wasn't looking to work with them. I had no contacts on the inside. They called me out of the blue. That's awesome. Which was nuts. Mm-hmm. Just buy it. And they saw a design that I had done for somebody else that the whole project had ended up being just a massive failure. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it just did not work. It ended up not being a good fit. And I'm sitting there going, well, you know what? I'm still going to put this piece up because I'm still very proud about it. Yeah, for sure. And that ended up getting me the Hawks job. And from there, I mean, that stuff goes everywhere. From there, I met, uh, I got a chance to work with the Braves. From there, we're talking City of Atlanta. I got to meet Killer Mike. I got to, you know, from Run the Jewels, I got to, you know, meet and see all of these people who, who saw this work. And, you know, when I designed for you know, for an Atlanta team like that, I'm, I'm trying to take the pulse of the city, you know, and that's huge for me. And apparently, apparently we hit it. You know, when I worked with, when I worked with the creative director, uh, Shirley Zhang, an incredible lady, an incredible creative director, mm-hmm. uh, one of the best I've ever worked for. Uh, we have a phenomenal relations, working relationship, and uh, I cannot thank her enough for her direction, for her, encouragement and everything like that and then their whole team their whole in-house team just great my buddy my buddy luke gomez um just great times all around uh with these people and Mm. since that's happened there has not been a slow second and uh, i'm thrilled about that uh the other one is um oh man i had some of my work show up at the 2016 olympics in rio oh cool so once again, another local guy, I was playing pickup basketball and we started talking. He showed me some stuff he was working on. Now, I had never met this guy before, right? And he was showing me some of the stuff that he was looking to do. We're talking socks, t-shirts and everything. And he was kind of hiring it out like overseas, you know, just trying to get the stuff done. And he said, well, here's my goals. Here's what I'm trying to do. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And I said, understanding what you're trying to do, if you're going to do it, those designs aren't going to cut it. No. I said, they're not. And he said, what, can you do better? I said, yeah. I said, I'll kill this. 
two weeks later, he hired me to do the entire identity and the initial, um, all the initial designs for the for the company. Uh, one of them was a USA shirt, and this guy was selling on Amazon and everything like that. Here's the crazy part: during the 2016, like right around the Fourth of July and the Olympics and everything like that, it was a number two selling USA shirt on Amazon, only behind a Nike shirt, which wow. is insane. But here's where it gets even better. So I'm at, so I'm watching the Olympics. I'm doing this thing, and you know how they do those quick pans through the crowd? Yep. Right. So quick pan through the crowd. It's like a second or something like that. And I was sitting there watching it, and I jumped off the couch. Babe, I think I saw one of my shirts. <laughs> no, there's no. I said, no, I'm serious. I think I saw one of my shirts. So I figured out about what time it was. And they, like an hour after the event, they would upload it to, you know, NBC.com or something yep. like that. So I went back there. I took a look. And sure enough, in the middle of the crowd, there was a guy in Rio wearing one of my USA shirts. This is nuts. So I posted and everybody's going bonkers. And then at that point, everybody's on lookout, right? Well, the last night of the Olympics is a big track and field, like the men's 1500 meter. Mm-hmm. American man had not won a gold medal in that race in over a century. Um, well, not only did an American man win the gold medal in that race, set an Olympic record, then it went to about 20 seconds on his family going absolutely berserk, and his brother was wearing the shirt. My phone blew up that night. Did you see this? Did you see that? Did you see that? And I was getting screenshots and like emails and text messages and phone calls and all this different stuff. And that was just incredible because I'm a, you know, I'm a, obviously I'm, I'm from the USA very much. I'm, I love America. I love a big, you know, I'm an American patriot and everything like that, man. I love my country. So the fact that I got to see my work represented in such a big moment for mm-hmm. the USA in general was incredible. I mean, That's just awesome. brought tears, brought tears to my eyes. But those are just two examples of an insane amount of stuff that's happened over the last two or three years. I could go on and on and on, but those were two that really, really stuck out to me. You know, a chance to do something that ended up being for my country, and then a chance to do something for uh, you know my downtown Atlanta, the city that I love. So mm-hmm. it's it's really incredible, and you know, just the fact that I'm a one man shop too, doing this stuff. It's in, it's insane. You know, I, I always, you always dream it could be at this point. I never, my goal was never to grow and have like two or three or 20 employees or anything like that. I want to keep it just me. You know, I've never hired out any work. I've collaborated with people, but I've never sent work out. You know, everything that comes through there is, is I touch. If you, mm-hmm. if you send an email, I answer it. So if you call me, I pick up, you know, all of this type of stuff. And, I just wanted to do the work. That was it. You know, my mantra, and you might have seen this on my site and stuff like that. It's like freedom to work, freedom to live. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I wanted, man. You know, my dad never went to college, but he started his own company, did it, ran it successfully for 20 years. You know, I want to, that was great. I enjoyed working with him and doing that type of thing. You know, I'm, I'm probably, getting close yeah. to fun. I was going to say, even though that his company was in different, uh, you know, a different industry, there's definitely yeah. still lessons you can pull from that. And, you oh, know, are you can kidding help me? Guide, I, learned, sure. I learned more from my dad working in his shop than I did at a few at the design school that I went to. And it would have nothing to do with design in general, but it was just a process. Mm-hmm. It was about precision. It was about, you know, customer service. It was treating every single person equally the moment they walked through his door. Everyone, no matter how they were dressed, no matter what they had, whatever. He treated everybody the same. Yeah. 
Always. I learned that from my dad. So you and I have talked about the most challenging time in your design career so far. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that was your your lead up to starting Studio Temporary and getting yes. that going. Um, yes. I want to ask you now if there's a specific designer project during your uh, your freelance time, your studio temporary time that did, um, you know, that didn't go well or bring the desired result. And can you take us to that story? Um, I think everybody has a few of those. For I mean, sure. and it can be, maybe they didn't pick the right one or maybe they, you know, maybe they didn't do what you wanted to do with it. Um, um, I don't know. I, I just think, you look for certain projects. You you think that, oh, if I get to work with this company, then I'm set. Mm-hmm. This is going to be awesome. And when you look for all these big things, well, I got a chance to work for a couple of those. And while one was great, the other one, and I'm not going to name names, but, no, for sure. you know, but it just, it was a quick turnaround, which I have no problem with, but the brief wasn't there. The brief kept changing, you know. And, you know, in the end, you had to, it's like, look, I'm going to have to kill the project because I've already gone through four rounds and each round has been a different thing. I'm over budget. We're no no closer to doing this thing. Mm -hmm. And I've only had to kill, I think, like three projects in my career, Mm -hmm. which is pretty good. But, you know, I hate when I have to do that. But you know, he's like, do we want to try one more? I'm like, well, are you sure that this is what they want? Well, it might change. I said, no, I can't do this. I won't, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not willing. And, and that's what I say. I say, I'm not willing to, I'm not willing to, uh, to continue doing this because it's just, it's taking up time. You guys are going to end up paying me more and it's just going to be really bad. So, you know, we, we, so we kill the project. And that's happened a couple of times, and it can be very frustrating because the pe- sometimes the people that you're working with are amazing, like incredible people, mm-hmm. but they also have to deal with a lot of things that you might not see. For sure. Dealing you're with management or dealing with – exactly. Yeah. So you can't, be ups- you, know, you can't be upset at them because, you know, in the end, they're not – that's not what they're – you know, they're not in charge of a lot of this stuff. They're just kind of, here's what's what we're trying to do from the top down. So you deal with it as best you can, but that's happened a couple of times and there hasn't been any big fallout or anything like that. It's just mm-hmm. frustrating. But in the end, you know, I still, they're like, you know, we loved working with them. It's just, maybe this just wasn't the best time. Mm-hmm. So do you think maybe a le- the lesson in that, you know, is, is that as often as possible, have the final decision maker in the room, the person who's going to be mm-hmm. saying yes or no, and try and try and get to that as much as you can. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, as much as you can. Now, sometimes that is very difficult. Um, and this particular one was kind of the same deal. Mm-hmm. But, and a few of these have been with the ultimate decision maker in the room, and it still just didn't, they couldn't quite figure out what they wanted. And, you know, sometimes that happens, but no, I always, I always go straight to the decision makers or as close as I can get to it. And another thing that I do is I will always have either a phone call or an in-person meeting with my client. Mm -hmm. If they're not willing to do that, I don't take the job. Yeah. 
because if they can't set aside the time to talk to me or meet with me or do something like that, then at the beginning of this project that's supposedly very important, then what's going to happen once we get going? Yeah. You know? So, you know, like I said, that's neither here nor there. And some folks work a little different. That's fine. This has just really worked well for me. Yeah, for sure. So tell us about one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without. (laughs) I can't live without Illustrator. I can't live without my, uh, you know, I got to have my mouse. I'm a mouse guy. I don't do a trackpad or a Wacom tablet or anything. I got to have my mouse. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've got a backpack. It's a book. Uh, It's called a book backpack, B-O-O-Q. I've had it for eight years and this thing still looks still looks basically brand new, at least on the outside. I'm about ready to get a new one, but I'm approaching. I'm getting close to a decade on this thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Always carry my stuff. I can, you know, carry basically my entire studio on my back. Um, Adobe Illustrator, love it, love it, love it. Um, a few of the updates make me raise a few of my make me raise an eyebrow, but in the end, still love them. Uh, great, great folks. Still an awesome um, tool. I gotta have I gotta have my field notes to to write in. You know, some nice cheap Bic pencils to uh, to carry around and lose and leave places and <laughs> use from time to time. Um, I've got vendors. I've got uh, you know all these people. I I can name names for twenty minutes of all these people that have helped me out. But mm-hmm. in the end, I also can't do it without my clients. Now I can make my own stuff, and that's fine. And I've done it, and I, I still do. But man, the clients that I work with make this stuff possible. It's not a, I never look at it as a, you know, I, I know I say clients, but I never look at it as like, I'm just like me designer, you client, you know, pound on chest. Yeah. This is very much a collaboration and it should always be that way. And if you look at it that way, you know, it makes things a lot easier, Definitely. right? When you're treating them as, when you're really treating them as, as equals, you know? Perfect. So, but yeah. So, Scott, now's the time of the show where I do an ask it forward question. So I have a question for you from my previous guest. They didn't know who I would be talking to, but they got a question (laughs) for you. And you get an opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. And I'm not going to tell you who it is, but you can ask them anything. Okay. Then after that, we dive into a lightning round. All right, let's do it. Cool. So the question uh, from my previous guest, the previous guest was Claire Tashiro. She's a UI UX designer based out of Vancouver, BC here. Hi, Claire. Um, what is one talent or skill that you wish you had that was not related to your current creative career? <laughs> I wish I knew how to cook. Wish you knew how to cook. That's perfect. Now, I mean, I can do like breakfast and stuff like that. But, you know, I we were talking about this, uh, you know, my wife and I were talking uh, earlier this year. And we were saying, you know, if you couldn't do... If you couldn't do design, what would you want to do? I'm like, I want to be a cook. Mm. And I love, you know, chef shows. I love all these different things. The movie Chef, the one with uh, John Favreau. Oh, one of my favorites, hundred percent. Have you seen the Netflix uh, thing that they came out with? They have like a, a little Netflix series. Yeah, I based didn't like it. I that. didn't like it as much. You didn't? No, I watched uh, a couple episodes I thought, and I was like, eh, not really. I think like the first two episodes, and then like the first two and the last two were were good. Everything else in the middle was just kind of, uh, you know, um, I like when they go, like going to places and they were chit chatting and everything like that. I loved it when they were cooking. 
you know, and whatnot. I guess that's the big thing. It's like in yeah. Chef, you know, you see it and it's great, but I just want to fast forward to the point where he just starts making stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? And I feel like there wasn't as much of that in the, in the Netflix thing. But anyway, that's um, we can I can go on and on about that. You'll find I can go on and on about a lot of things. <laughs> and so somewhere. the fact that the fact that we've been able to keep this thing, uh, we're approaching towards the end, and we've been able to keep this thing like under an hour. That's huge. You're keeping have no it on the idea. rails here. <laughs> we're keeping it on the rails. It's great. Um, but that would be it, man. Like really knowing how to cook, and I think that's something I can learn, and it's probably something that I'm going to attempt to over like the next like the rest of my career. But I think that would be that would be huge. If I'm looking for a skill, that would be it. That's a great one. So what's your question that I need to ask the next guest? Oh, man. What is your biggest regret in your design career? Mm, I like it. Well, well, I mean, think about it. We've, we've all had jobs, you know, that we've, you know, maybe we thought this would work out and it didn't. Or maybe we said something and we really shouldn't have, you know, or mm-hmm. maybe, uh, you <laughs> know, we said something. didn't quite work on that one. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we all have those stories. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that'd be a good one because a lot of designers, I see this a lot of talks and everything. It ends up being a lot about their portfolio and their work. And I can understand you want to talk about your work, but I would say 60 to 70% of my talk is about what happened before you see all the work, what it took to get to that point, mm-hmm. the really nitty gritty down, down in the dirt, down in the muck in the mud type of stuff that I had to go through and I'm not glorifying it. I'm just telling you, this is, I, I love what I do. I love my profession. I'm thrilled with the people that I've gotten to, to meet, with the opportunities that I've had, um, you know, the stuff that I've ha- been able to do for and with my family, you know, mm-hmm. with all this type of things, it's incredible, but it wasn't just something that I lucked into. And I really want to get that across. It's like, look, you will struggle. You will maybe get a job right off the bat that you that just sucks. Mm-hmm. And you might do it, be there for two years. But you show up, you do the work, you do what you were hired to do. There's valuable lessons mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, there really is. And for me, that's that was huge. It's stuff that I learned when I was a kid, something that, I, that I've taken with me throughout my entire life and what I'll pass on to my son and my grandkids and, and stuff like that. But I feel like that's really important. How do you treat people? What the value of your name? That's huge. Mm-hmm. That's stuff that was, that was drilled into me as a kid. You know, your name means something. You know, the work that I did two years, two months, two seconds ago, it means nothing. Just the next what the next project will determine how people view what I do. Yep. I cannot rest on my laurels. I don't want to. I never want to get to the point where it's, you know, oh man, I've made it. Because if I ever say those words, at that point I will have plateaued and I will never grow anymore. Well said. And I never want to get to that point. Beautiful. Scott, we're at the lightning round. I got 10, All right, let's do 10 quick questions for you. Uh, there might be a couple of them that are design related, but most of them not. Just a chance for you to flex your personality a little bit and give us a little bit more info about you in a really quick way. All right, let's do it. I'll, t- I'll try to go really quick. <laughs> what is one of your nicknames that only your parents would know? Uh, I didn't really have one. Make one up. Make one up? <laughs> I, I didn't like I didn't have one at all. Like I never I never really had a nickname growing up. So somebody out there in the comments is gonna have to make one up for me. Perfect. 
Um, what animal would best describe your design style? Oh man, uh, probably a probably a tiger. Ooh. It's it's uh, well, I mean, you look at it and it's powerful, but it's also when you see in the zoo, everything is kind of relaxed and everything, and it's just kind of there, and then just kind of jumps at you out of nowhere. Powerful, but there's some beauty to it. Exactly. You can have one superpower. What do you choose? Flight. Hmm. Say one word in a different language. Uh, I do. Hmm. Ask for permission or ask for forgiveness later. Forgiveness. If you were on Fear Factor, would you choose to be covered in spiders or eat live bugs? Eat live bugs. <sighs> Quick answer. I hate spiders. Kill them with fire. <laughs> um, tea or coffee? Tea. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Sweet tea. If you're asking. Sweet tea. Sweet tea. Very... I don't drink coffee. That I, If I do drink coffee, it is black and as dark as I can make it. No mm. cream, no sugar. You know, as a father, what is your favorite Disney character? Ooh, um... Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, Stitch. Oh, curveball. I did not see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> he's smart. He's funny. And he's just, you know, he, he he's just kind of all over the place. I yes. like that. On a scale of one to ten, how good are you at bowling? Four. Appreciate the honesty. Uh, you have to start over in your design career. Everything you have ever done has been erased from history except for one project. What is it and why? I would say the um, I would say the Atlanta, the uh, Hawkstown logo. Um, it was it's kind of everything I love about design and that I like about my city and it represents a lot. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably one of the more meaningful pieces of design that I've done. Perfect. And uh, I want to finish off here with what is the last song that you listen to? The last song that I listen to? Oh, um, uh, Bigger by Stephen Cooper. Cool. Scott, you made it. That's the end of the quickie. Really? Oh, do you have any more? I like these. <laughs> I like these. I like these quick things. Yeah, I got a couple more. I want to throw at you here. Have you ever slept, oh, let's do it. Have you ever slept on a trampoline? Yes. Oh, fantastic. See, some people who haven't slept on a trampoline, like overnight sleepover on a trampoline in the summer. You've got to have something underneath you, though. You can't just sleep directly on a trampoline, though. Oh, you for will sure. Give, yeah, you got to have something underneath you, right? But yes, I have. Yeah, there's definitely, you know, burns that could happen. Mm -hmm. um, you have to choose one, Comic Sans or Papyrus? Papyrus. How often do you say the word dapper? Never. What is your? I don't think I've ever said it in my life. <laughs> you haven't said what in your life? Dapper. Oh, there you go. How, uh, last one here. What is your best joke? Oh, my best joke. Oh, man. Off the cuff. Okay. Two guys walking. Two guys walking in the woods. They come. Two guys hunting in the woods. They come across a big hole. Can't see the bottom. They toss something in don't hear it land. They toss something in bigger, don't hear it land. And then some guy walks across and says, uh, hey, I found this anvil. Let's just, let's, let's try it and see. They toss the anvil in. A few seconds later, all of a sudden, this goat comes out of the woods and just jumps right in the hole. They're like, what, what just happened? And they still can't hear anything hit the bottom. 
all of a sudden, out of the woods, here comes a far- here comes this farmer. And he said, hey, have you guys seen my goat? They're like, one just jumped in the hole. He said, oh, that's impossible. It was tied to an anvil. Anyway. <laughs> that's a beautiful way to finish. Scott, thank you so much for being on the show today, man. It was awesome chatting with you. Same to you, man. Thanks again. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I really appreciate your time. Guys, I got another review call in here. I would really appreciate it if you would take just a quick minute and leave a review and a rating for the show on iTunes. I really appreciate them. I love reading them. And I recently discovered, foolishly just recently discovered, that there is iTunes Canada and iTunes US. And there's a bunch of reviews on both, which is super flattering. And I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. Leave some more reviews. I love hearing about it. Have an awesome day. And you know what? I'll be back tomorrow.